Hey everyone, and welcome to a more beautiful life collective podcast today on the podcast. We are talking about creating your ideal schedule. So now that we have talked all about how to get things done, we are focusing today on how to create a schedule that allows you to do that. Welcome to a more beautiful life collective podcast. We know that in the hectic hurry of everyday life, it's easy to lose sight of what really matters. This is a moment to pause and realign your focus on the one who gives us peace and rest. We're focusing on discipleship, productivity, and homemaking as we live with eternity in mind. This is the place where you'll learn to create a life you love and cultivate your heart for God. I'm Casey Fletcher. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey everyone, I'm Casey Fletcher and thanks so much for joining me today. Today is season one, episode 23 of the podcast. And so far we have been talking about getting things done from a godly perspective. And what we are going to be focusing on today is taking everything that we've talked about so far in this series on getting things done. And we are taking those things and then applying them to our schedules. We want to figure out how to create a schedule that allows us to get things done. As always, if you haven't yet, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps others find the show. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you get the next episode sent right to your feed. You can also subscribe to the blog. I am currently going through other parts of this series that are not getting featured on the podcast, but they are still really important and can be really helpful. And so if you subscribe to the blog, then you get all of that content sent straight to your inbox. We're doing something new on the blog. So, so far we've been just uh, releasing a post every time, um, that I get it posted online or uploaded, but now we're going to switch to a weekly newsletter. This way we don't add any more emails to your inbox than what you really want. And you can also change the settings on those newsletters if you would like to receive emails less. So really encourage you to do that. But today, like I said, we are focusing on how to create your ideal schedule. So Currently in South Carolina, it's really, really cold right now, Um, much colder than we're used to. Probably if you're from up north, you are thinking, oh, well, this is a piece of cake. It's been in the 20s sometimes, like in the daytime, which is crazy. It's kind of unheard of. And at night, it gets down to the teens. So again, we're used to, you know, 40, 50 degree weather. It's still nice enough where really you can get out. You, You could really wear shorts if you want to. And then now it's just been freezing. And one of the things that I've been learning is... As a mom of young kids, you are constantly teaching them about the way things are, things that you are just really kind of used to. Uh, If you think about the seasons, if you think about the weather, the leaves changing, your kids are experiencing all of these things for the first time. And so my son is right at that age where he is asking questions 24-7. So he goes outside and he says, now, why are the leaves brown? Why are the leaves falling? Why is it cold outside? Why do we not get snow? Why do they get snow up north? And every time that I answer these questions, he has another question that kind of just helps him understand this pattern of changing seasons. And one of the things that I keep coming back to as I talk to him about this is every season has its own unique qualities, but the hope that we have is in the midst of the current season that we're in, we know that there's going to be a future season that comes back that we can look forward to. And then we can 
expect that we'll experience those things again. And so for us, that means, you know, we have a pool at our house and we have, you know, a pond, we have a lot of stuff outside. And so that means that even though right now it's almost too cold to go outside for us, wimps in the South, uh, we can look forward to the future where we know that we're going to be able to experience all these things and go outside and have those really long summer days that are nice where you can go outside and you're not needing to bundle up in your jackets. You can experience summer again. And then we also know that there's certain wonderful things. We just finished up the Christmas season and already my son is asking, well, when will it be Christmas again? Are we going to do the same things again? And we can say, yes, we can look forward to that. So as we talk about our schedules today, I want us to keep in mind this idea of changing seasons, of changing times, and of living in the present wherever you are. But at the same time, while you're living in the present, you also are reminded that certain things that have passed will come again soon. And this will just kind of help to ground your schedule and will make it much more life-giving. Our seasons are one example of the way that we live through what I'm going to call a cyclical calendar. So a cyclical calendar is the same idea of what I just talked about. The fact that we have these four seasons, that they have this time where you're present in that season and you um, experience all the things that go on with that season and then it changes. But you know that pretty soon it will cycle back around and you will experience those things again. And if you think about all of this, we're going to see in just a little while the way that really I think this pattern for living is very much ingrained into every single area of our life. We all live through these cycles. So, so far in this series, we have talked about goal setting. We have talked about project planning. We have talked about getting things done. So really practically, how do you take those big vision goals and how do you apply it to your everyday life through some you know practical steps with our project planning system, all of those things. And so the last thing that we left with on our podcast, the last podcast, you can go back and listen to that one on getting things done, is we left off with this idea of matchmaking your time, your ability, and the task that you have to do. And so as you're trying to create these things, you need to figure out an ideal schedule where you can plug in some of your matchmaking time so that you're able to get things done, so that you can be more productive, but then also so that you can have time in your life for these other things that you wanna get done, these other habits that you have. The way that we spend our time is really the way that we are spending our lives. And this is, you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty self-evident statement, right? We, the way we spend our time is how we spend our lives. But I think a lot of times we don't really realize the impact of that statement. We may hear that statement and we say, well, yes, that's true. But then our everyday lives don't really live that way. We may waste time. We may think about how to kill time. We may think about ways to use up the time. And in doing that, we're not really thinking about how we can use our time well. I think as you go through this, one of the primary themes that I keep coming back to as I look at all of the stuff that we talked about with project planning, all of the things we talked about with uh, the way that we get things done is that we are stewards of our lives. And The way that we spend our lives is how we are stewarding our lives. In this way, our schedules are like a budget. 
So just like with your budget, you would write it down and it may not actually come to pass, right? You might have a big expense that comes up. You might have a uh, thing that you spend less money on. You might experience some different changes. You know, we've had inflation going on. And so your budget has probably changed recently and you've had to divert money from certain groups to another group. So your budget in that way is not perfect and it may not always actually match reality. But the idea is that you set your vision or your ideal for your budget based on your values and what you need. And then you try to make that happen in your everyday life. Your schedule is the same way. The schedule is like the budget of your life. And just like your monetary budget helps you to live up to your principles and helps you to steward your money well so that you're glorifying God and you're giving back to God, those things, your time schedule is also doing that thing. And I think the truth with stewardship that we realize is that everything that we have is God's. The time that we have is God's, the budget, our money, everything is God's. And so whenever we are giving these things back to him, we're just giving him back what he has given us in the beginning. And so we're in, we ever, whenever we create these ideal schedules, we're just telling ourselves that we're giving God back the time that he's already given us, which means we want to make our schedule where it is engineered or built in a way that provides the time to glorify God. And so this is what we're getting at today. There's a verse in um, Psalms that says, Psalm 90, 12, and it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is something that I have really worked on in my life is learning how to number my days, to count my days well. I think all too often we let our days pass us by. I I think I've mentioned this before, but we let our time kind of fall through our fingertips, you know, like sand, where we want to grasp hold of things, but we seem like we can't, we can't grab hold of it. And so we can't use it well. We can't steward it well. And so I think the purpose of teaching us to number our days helps us to take hold of the things that we need to and live a life that is filled with intention, live a life that's lived well. And so as we create our schedule, that's our goal. As I mentioned before in the series, creating an ideal schedule is important for everyone. It's important if you work full time because you just have less time to be able to do things that you really want to uh, with. And if you are self-employed or you are retired or you're a stay-at-home mom or you're in school and you have a lot more uh, self-directed time, you still want to make sure that you're using that time well. So it, it, it is so important that we all create the schedule that we want to live with, but everyone will have their own puzzle, right? They'll have their own calling, their own purpose, their own family, their own responsibilities, their own roles, their own job. And so everybody will have to fit together the puzzle pieces of their life together and putting those those things together will create this schedule. Our time is one of our most valuable resources. And so we need to steward it just like we would other resources. And creating a schedule helps you to do that. So what we're gonna talk about today is the first part in creating a schedule. And then we're gonna think about four things you should keep in mind while you are creating that schedule. Next week, we're going to actually walk you through creating the schedule itself. But today, you'll start the process, and then you'll get some principles that we'll finish in the next episode. 
as we talk about these things, the first step is something that you could actually act on this week. And so if you would like to do that, you can download the printable online. If you go to the blog, you can subscribe and you'll get this printable that will help you to do this first step, which is to do a time inventory. I think whenever we are creating our schedules, sometimes we don't understand the way that we're spending our time now. We may overestimate or underestimate the amount of time we spend on certain tasks. And so I think it's very important to get some data that helps us to understand what we are doing. Does the way that we spend our time match the ideals and values that we have? And again, sometimes you may be surprised. Maybe you're doing a lot more than what you think. And other times, the time inventory can give you kind of a kick in the pants because it helps you to know where you need to direct your time. So a time inventory is basically where you go throughout a week or even just a day, and then you just write down what you've done that day. It's pretty simple. You're just inventorying your time. As you go through this stuff, you can um, decide when you want to document it. I would recommend if you're doing a time inventory that you be really intentional about it. The way that I've created the document that's on the blog is I've given you a space every couple hours or so, and it helps you to write down what you're doing then. I think it's important to be specific. Um, you know, if you're at your job, you could just write work um, or you could, you know, if you want to take an inventory and see how productive you are at work, you could do that. Um, but I think being more specific will help you to understand the time that you spend because you may be at work or you may be at home and you might be writing down that it's family time. But really what you're doing in that family time is you're looking at your phone for 30 minutes and then you're uh, watching the news for 30 minutes. And then maybe you spend five minutes with your kids and then you decide that you need to clean up the house. So then you focus on that for 30 minutes. And so what you say is family time is really time that you're not really spending with your family. And so I think it's important to kind of break down each segment and think about really what you're doing and be specific. So what's helpful is to write it down as you go throughout your day. We all know that if you wait till the very end of the day, you might not even remember what you had for breakfast, much less the specific activities that you did, especially if your week is a normal week. Uh, a lot of times, you know, if you go throughout your day, you're not really thinking about what you're doing because a lot of the stuff that you do is habitual. And so writing down what you're doing throughout the day will help you to have a more clear picture than if you wait till the end of the week or the end of the day to write down what you do. So what I would recommend is maybe just saying, okay, at the top of the hour, so at five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock, you write down what you've done for the previous hour. And that kind of clues you in, helps you to remember to write those things down. I would recommend that you pick just a normal week. So don't pick a week that's in the middle of the holidays or if you're sick that week, uh, pick a normal week. We've had a lot of sickness in January. So we were sick. We had the holidays before that. And so really the first normal week was this past week. So if I was doing this time inventory, this past week would be, have been good data. But the weeks before, I wasn't doing what I normally do. I was sitting on the couch with my kids because they were sick. We watched a lot more uh, shows and things like that just because that's what we were doing to make it through that sickness. And so you want to make sure that you're picking a normal week. Now, as you go through this, again, you're documenting your activities because you want to figure out how you're spending your time. So as you go to evaluate your schedule and evaluate how you spend your time, you can make some necessary changes to be able to 
match up with those ideals and those principles that you have. So once you've done your time inventory, you have to analyze it just like with you would with normal data. So the way that I've set it up is you have all of your blocks, your time blocks, and then at the end of that paper, I would tally up your time. So count it off uh, like you would a graph or something for school, and then you'll put it um, in almost like a spreadsheet. And so you could say, okay, I spent you know however many hours eating, however many hours sleeping, however many hours cleaning the house. And then you'll have, you know, your more discretionary time. Again, it's just like you would with a budget. So with a budget, what you do is you try to get a good picture of where your money is going currently. And then based on where your money is going currently, you figure out your budget categories and then you assign values to those categories. And so that's what you need to do now. You know, you figure out uh, where your time is going then you assign these time categories like chore time, cleaning the house. You know, for me, I would have blog and podcast time that other people may not have. Maybe you are involved in a team sport or something for church, like a volunteer activity. That would go. That would be one of your time categories. And you just kind of set it up like a budget where you tally up your time. Then after you do that, you can see some patterns in your time and you can figure out if there's things that you would want to up the amount of time that you spend on them or things that you would want to lessen the amount of time you spend on them or maybe things that you would want to spread out over the week. Uh, With cleaning, we're doing a series on decluttering on the blog and with cleaning, you actually, you know, you can batch clean where you spend, you know, a couple hours at one time cleaning your house or you can spend... 15 minutes a day doing the same thing. And so it just kind of depends on the person. Some people would really like to do the batch activity and some people would rather spread it out over a series of days. But doing a time inventory helps you to understand how you do these things. Maybe you spend, you know, 30 minutes looking at emails every day. And you really don't want to spend that much time looking at emails. So you could decide, okay, I'm only going to allow myself 30 minutes one day to look at this, or maybe a little bit longer if you have a ton of emails. Or maybe you would say, okay, there's something that needs to be fixed here. I need to go through my inbox and start cleaning it out. So it can start to just clue you in to some patterns that you have, some ways that you might want to change those patterns. And then you can create a pretty decent schedule just by looking at those categories. Now, keeping this in mind, the next thing we need to talk about is how do you create your schedule once you have your time inventory? So we're going to go through four principles that you need to look at while you're creating your schedule. And the next week, we'll talk about how you'll apply these principles to creating your schedule. So like I said, your schedules are how you spend your days and ultimately how you spend your lives. And so there's some things that we need to keep in mind as we look at our days and our lives. Without a schedule, there's a lack of vision in our lives, a lack of planning, and we don't know when we're getting off track. Again, with an ideal schedule, it's ideal because it's almost unattainable, right? But you make an ideal schedule, even if it's unattainable, because it can allow you to know when you're getting off track. If you have no plan in place, then you're almost destined to get off track because you don't even know where you're going. Just like with the budget, if you have no budget, then you'll never know if you're spending too much until you look in the bank account and you have $25 left. What you have to do is you have to plan and try to have a path marked out. And that's what your schedule is. It's a path marked out that you can follow, that you can hold what your current days look like up against your ideal schedule and say, hmm, something's not right here. So to create our schedule, I'm going to give you a different kind of idea. 
after you do your time inventory, you might think, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to sit down with a planner, like a vertical style planner, and just write out little time blocks in my day of I want to, you know, 7.15, wake up. Or if you're me, 5 o'clock, wake up. Then 7.15, go to work. 9 o'clock, uh, drink a cup of coffee. And then you go through and you schedule out your day in 15-minute increments. You can do that, and that's fine. But what I found is I don't think that really matches up with what real life is like. And I think if you do that, you tend to overschedule and underperform at the same time. So you overschedule your day by adding too many things in your day. And then you underperform based on your values. Now, you might be really productive at work if you're saying, you know, I'm going to answer all these emails like you're just checking off things on a to do list. But you may not actually perform well on the values that you have like spending time with your family or going and helping somebody, um, doing acts of service, doing church time, having the Sabbath. Those things are harder to plan in 15-minute increments. And so I think one truth that has helped me to understand this is by thinking about how our days and our lives are cyclical. So again, I mentioned this before, but what I mean by that is how there's a certain pattern of repetition in every day where throughout the day things are changing, but then we always come back to the same idea or the same place in our schedule. So we talked about this in our episode on traditions, which I think was episode number 18, but I'll I'll link it in the show notes on the blog. But with every season or with every day, we go through the same pattern. Now we're constantly living through this change, but then we get back to that same point where we experience that Again, you always experience the sunrise. You always experience the change of seasons. And one thing that I didn't even realize until I was doing a devotion this week is that when the world was flooded, God gave a covenant with Noah. And we think of the covenant and we talk about the rainbow, right? Well, there was another part of that covenant that was saying, you know, as long as the sun is rising and the sun is setting, I will never destroy the earth again. And that covenant is actually brought back up in, I think it's Jeremiah. I can't remember the chapter, but in Jeremiah, it talks about how we know that the covenant that God has with his chosen people will be kept. And the covenant that he has with David will be kept because of the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun. And it says, as long as the sun is rising and setting, then my word will stay true. My word will still go on. My word is still existent, that covenant still exists. And so as we think about these cyclical patterns, there are so many truths we can take with this, but also the the main truth is that it shows that God is faithful, that the sun rises, the sun sets, we experience change, upheaval, um, loss, grief, joy. But every day we have this pattern that we can hold onto, this pattern that reminds us that God is still there and God is still in control. So looking at this, we can recognize a couple different things. One, we know that there is constant change and growth in our lives. But throughout the current of this, there's also this expectation that we're going to experience these things again. And so we have this hope and this faith and this trust that we will experience that again. So again, as you live through your life, you may experience times of, you know, those valleys in life, the times of sorrow, of grief, of the wilderness, but you can hold fast that the the mountaintop experience will come back, that you'll experience those summer seasons again. We see the cyclical nature in basically every everything that has to do with time um, in, our, in our life. So the cyclical nature is obviously in the daytime. So we have night 
and then we have, you know, sunrise, we have the noontime and then evening, we see it in our weeks. So you have this kind of Sabbath time, then you have work time and then the Sabbath again, you see it in season. So we have winter, spring, summer, fall, we see it in our church calendar. So the church calendar kind of mimics uh, the seasons. So it has, you know, this Advent time, then you have ordinary time, then Lent, then uh, the Easter season, then Pentecost, and then ordinary time again. And so if you celebrate the church calendar, you can kind of experience those things as well. You can also see it in our lives where we have, you know, babyhood and then childhood, then you have your adult years, and then you have old age. And all of these things, if you think about what they look like, they all mirror each other and they all mirror. You could think of the seasons or you can think of, you know, the night and then uh, the sunrise midday, and then the sunset. They all kind of mimic that uh, pattern in our lives where we start in darkness, we have a dawning, we have this really bright working summer kind of time, and then we go back into this nighttime again. So looking at this, I want to think about how our schedules can mimic this kind of cyclical nature in our lives. How can they mimic this? I think modernity, they, it has sold us this lie that everything needs to be the same. So we live in our houses, which are always at, you know, 70 degrees, give or take a few degrees, depending on what you like. Uh, our food always needs to be the same at fast food restaurants. If something doesn't taste the same, even if it doesn't taste bad, but if it's not the same, we don't like it. Or at coffee shops, we don't like it. If things are different, uh, we want to go. One thing I, I was traveling and I think this is kind of sad, but uh, in America, if you if you drive around, one of the things that we desire is we want basically every place to look the same, so we never experience any uncertainty. Yeah, if you go to like a downtown area, there can be new shops and things like that, but we really every exit we're looking, you know, do they have a McDonald's and a gas station, and then maybe if it's you know certain areas, does it have like a Chick Fil A and a Starbucks? And so we want these places and you know, everywhere that we go, we want to be able to go to the same place. If you're in South Carolina, or if you're in South Dakota. And I think that's just a sadness where we've said that basically all culture needs to be the same. I've done it too, where you go over and you know, you're in Europe and Germany and stuff, and then you're still getting a McDonald's hamburger. And so you know, they call things a little bit different uh, there, they have different names for things. But really, we've said that everything needs to stay the same. And people, they complain when it's too hot in the summertime, and then they complain when it's too cold in the wintertime. Uh, we see this in the way that, you know, our ages need to be the same, that we want to have the same freedom, you know, as a new parent, you want to have the same freedom that you did whenever you were 20, that, you know, every age, as far as, you know, your ability level, that you should be able to do the same things at 50 that you did at 20. Um, a lot of the complaints that people have about distinctions between different types of people or different, you know, genders and all that kind of stuff. Modernity says, well, everything's the same. Nothing is different about anyone. And so because of that, you need to treat us in X, Y, Z way. But I think the thing is about our schedules, I really contemplated why did God set up this pattern of constant change, but this like reminder that it's going to be the same eventually that we'll get back to that. And I think it's because we're supposed to experience change. We're supposed to have faith, 
but then constantly be on the move, constantly be moving and changing and almost constantly being made uncomfortable with the change with the reminder that we can find comfort, that things will become the same again soon. And I think that is the Christian walk where we're constantly moving and constantly being changed, constantly being conformed to the image of Christ. But again, we have this comfort that soon we will be with Christ. And so we have this comfort in the future time and the future expectation while we live through that change now. So in this need for everything staying the same, one of the things that we require is our productivity level has to stay the same. And I think it's important to talk about this in a series on getting things done. Your productivity level will not always be the same, but we expect that. Even me, whenever I was teaching, I would expect my students who just got there at eight o'clock in the morning, and maybe they were gaming until three o'clock in the morning uh, the night before, but I would expect my students to act the same at eight o'clock as I would at two o'clock. We actually did a schedule rotation and other schools have picked up on this where kids would, you know, you would change every quarter when your class was in the day. So I would have my first block class that would move to the end of the day or the second block. And so that was actually pretty helpful because it recognized that kids act different at certain type times of the day. If you are in the morning and you are a morning person, you're going to do really well. But again, if you're up till three o'clock in the morning playing a video game and it's eight o'clock in the morning, you're not going to do well. Some of the kids by two o'clock were done and they were acting crazy, wild. And other kids were falling asleep at two o'clock. Everybody experiences the change differently, but you can't assume that you're always going to have the same productivity level, no matter what time of day it is. But I think again, because of us always having the ability to keep the lights on, always having the ability to uh, never really go outside and experience the change in the day, we expect our productivity level will be the same, no matter the day or the day of the week or the month. And as we think about this, I think the Bible really speaks against this and it commands us not to live this way. If you look at the laws with the Sabbath, the Sabbath was instituted basically to say, look, every day is not the same. Some days are holy, and whenever they're holy, you need to stop working, and you need to realign your priorities to match up with what God has said. And one of the things that Israel, one of the judgments they kept getting over the years that Israel was a nation was that they did not honor the Sabbath, and that was a judgment that God held against them. And it seems strange to me. It's like, well, why? Why would these people not want this day where they couldn't do anything? Why would they not want this day where, or these feasts that they had to celebrate, the Jubilee year and things like that? Why would they not want to celebrate these things? But I think even in our modern sense, most of us don't really truly celebrate the Sabbath. We work on the Sabbath or we do things to move our lives forward. Lots of us... Um, even if you're not necessarily working because you're scheduled, uh, you might be working on your computer at home. Um, you know, the work-life balance has really gotten skewed. And most of us, you know, for celebrations and things like that, we just don't really honor them. We say, no, every day is the same. We don't need to honor anything because every day is the same as the day before. And I think, again, this is a lie. And it's a lie from different areas. I think part of this is kind of that Puritan ideology and things like that. But also I think most of it is that modernity has said everything is the same. And so we don't allow for rest in our lives and for celebration and for feasting and for fasting, for these changes in our productivity level and the changes in the things that we do. What we have to practice is we have to add in things to our schedule that allows us to experience the full level 
the full spectrum of human experience and not just live in this like climate control box where we experience the same thing every day, every moment of every day, and nothing changes in our lives. We shouldn't act like every day is the same. And so we need to schedule or brainstorm a rhythm where our schedules can match up with the change that we want to experience. So again, what I'm going to talk about is four principles for your schedule. What are some things that we can learn from this idea that our schedules mimic the cyclical pattern that we see in our seasons and the way time moves? Well, first, we work out of rest. This was an idea that was in the TechWise family by Andy Crouch, and basically he talked about the Sabbath. Now, he was talking, the TechWise family's great book if you're interested in technology, but he was talking specifically about how you need to have a Sabbath from technology. But I think this is true for everything. The idea is in the modern sense, you know, we wake up in the morning and it's like the first thing that we have to do, you have to work before play. And so we get up and we work. And then if we can make it till, you know, four or five, six o'clock, seven o'clock, whenever you can finish because you've done your work. So now you can play. The dichotomy that's presented in that is you have work and then you have leisure. Or the way that Andy Crouch says is you have toil and then you have leisure. And so toil is this like meaningless work that's drudgery. And then leisure is just this pursuit of desire of anything that you can escape um, from, you know, the toil, anything that allows you to escape, that is what you spend your time doing. And he says that in the Bible, really the picture of our work is you have work that's meaningful, purposeful, life-giving, and then you have Sabbath or rest time. And so the way that the Hebraic idea uh, acts out in their schedule is, is they say that really the nighttime and the rest time comes first. So they say that the night is when things begin, like when the Sabbath begins is Saturday night, and then they celebrate that or Friday night. And then they celebrate that through the following day. And so in this idea, they are working out of their rest time. So it's not that they have to work or toil to earn their playtime. It's that they rest first. And from the strength and energy they get with their rest, they are able to work well. And so I think we need to map we need to match this in our lives. So if we think about our weeks, we don't work. And then if we've gotten enough work done, then we can, you know, celebrate the Sabbath and maybe go to church on Sundays. We say, no, I have to prioritize my rest time on Sundays because I know if I don't do this, then the rest of my week will be off, off track. It'll be off the path that I want it to be. We know that at night, if we don't say, I'm going to prioritize my rest, then the rest of the day, I won't be able to work to my highest productivity level. I won't be able to do what I need to do with my time. So the first truth that we have to learn about with our schedules is that we work out of the rest and the Sabbath, which means we prioritize that. We don't say, hey, if I've gotten enough done, I can sleep. We say, no, I'm having this time where I can sleep so that I can work well. I'm having this time at the beginning of my week where I rest so that I can work well throughout the rest of the week. So we just have to change how we conceptualize work and Sabbath. Again, rest doesn't always mean sleeping. It can mean sleeping, especially for some of us, we're very sleep deprived, but it can also mean other types of rest where you have creative rest, you have um, 
relational rest where you're spending time with people. You have rest where you spend time in nature. So you're working in these things that fill you up, these life-giving activities, and you're prioritizing those things so that you can work well. I think in addition to this, our ideal schedule should be in line with the sun, the moon, and the seasons, which means that whenever you're doing something that you allow space to you know, wake up in the morning. Um, I've heard some people, you know, if you look outside right now and you watch the sun rise in the morning, it's a very different sunrise than in the middle of the summer. And so I think sometimes we, we expect everything to stay the same. So we expect ourselves to be able to wake up and be as productive as we would be in the summer. In the summer, you might be, especially if you have a garden and stuff, we would actually go out and the crack of dawn in the morning, because if you don't, and you're in Southern heat in the middle of the day, you feel like you're about to pass out. So you wake up and you try to get outside by like six o'clock in the morning in the summertime to work in the garden or work outside so that you're getting the cool of the day. Well, you don't need to worry about that in the wintertime. And so you can think about the way that your body acts differently at certain times of day. There was actually a study that says really our bodies feel like we even require more sleep in the wintertime than we do in the summertime. And you could think about that with your circadian rhythm. It would be kind of upset by uh, the way that the sun is behaving. So we shouldn't expect it to perform at the same level that it would in the summertime. We It gets dark earlier, so it, it naturally makes sense that we want to go to bed earlier and then it, the sun comes up later in the day. And so it would naturally make sense that maybe it's a little bit harder to get going and productive. So what the person recommended was they would light a candle in the morning and they would kind of keep the lights dim to match the way that the sun was coming up a little bit later in the day and kind of having these different kind of lights, like different, um, it's more of like a red light in the morning versus a bright blue and yellow light that really wakes you up. And so I think there's a lot of truth in these different things where we recognize that God created a certain order in the seasons and in the day for a reason. If you expect the wintertime to be the summer and everything to stay the same, you're going to be constantly disappointed or you're just not going to go outside and enjoy it. You're going to complain about it and you're not going to be content. And so allowing for this rest time and allowing for the work time in the summertime helps you to live a life that builds in schedules of work and rest. Another way that you could do this is you could uh, think about the way that we deal uh, with heat and with cold. They've actually started recommending cold exposure therapy. So if you ever heard of like ice ice baths and things like that, that is another example of people saying, okay, everything doesn't need to be the same. And sometimes we need to experience cold and there's actually benefits for that. And I'm not going to go into the benefits here, but there is a certain level that, you know, in the summertime, I remember I always would like to like turn the air conditioning really down low. And then you would go get, you know, a big sweatshirt and kind of wear it inside. And really, again, what you're doing is you're making your body where it doesn't feel comfortable outside. Because if you are constantly living in an ice cold house and it's a hundred degrees outside, obviously you're going to feel like it's cold outside. And so we just have to honor some of these God created rhythms in our life. And that will help us to appreciate things more. Um, in addition to this, your ideal schedule should incorporate routines that have balance. So you want to have change in your schedule. 
So you want to experience the cold, experience the heat, experience the night, experience the day, not try to keep everything with all the lights on all the time or all the lights off all the time, right? You want to experience the sunshine and experience the nighttime, but you should also incorporate balance with that. And so I think if you are working to make sure that you are experiencing the wide range of human experience as far as like hot and cold and night and day, then you can also think about how you can have balance in your everyday activities. So things like making sure that you sleep enough and also work enough, that you shouldn't lay in bed for eight hours every day, but then you also at the same point, you shouldn't work for you know eight, 10, 12 hours and then come home and keep working. You need to have balance in your day. You shouldn't be spending all your time working on your house You shouldn't be spending all your time going out and hanging out with friends. Like you really need balance. You need time alone. You need time together. There's a season for everything. And so a wise life helps you put that balance into your schedule. A wise life will make room in your schedule for all of these activities. So some ways to do this to make sure that you are including in balance to your schedule is really working in some of those good habits that we've been talking about over the really the whole season um, of this podcast. Some habits that you could include that kind of just clue you in to having um, habits and routines that create this balance is to have three daily prayers. Again, that would include in to your schedule, some time for you to pause and focus on God. You could have a daily meal with someone. So if you are finding that you spend a lot of your time alone or a lot of time your time working, having a daily meal with somebody breaks up your day and adds in that relational aspect. You could have an hour of screen-free time a day and maybe one day a week where you are screen-free. So again, that breaks up the time that you're spending on your phone. You could try to make a point to have a conversation with a friend every week, a weekly day of fasting. So you're not eating all the time. And then you also can have a weekly Sabbath again, to bring in those routines of rest. I think part of what balance means is we have to basically guard ourselves against the idols and the things that can get between us and God. And so by incorporating balance into our routines, basically we're saying, okay, I know I lean one way. Like I always want to have my phone or I always want to be working or I always wanting, I'm always wanting to be spending time away from home and I don't really want to work at all. Whatever way you lean, balance means that you're kind of putting yourself back in the middle and putting yourself back on that right path. And then that will get you closer to the ideal schedule that you want. The last point is one that if you come from a a liturgical church background, this may not be news to you, but I do think there's a lot of truth and beauty to the church calendar. So the church liturgical calendar, we, most of churches in even Protestant churches in America, most of us celebrate the Advent season, or at least hear people talk about it. And obviously most people celebrate Easter as well, but a lot of these other, uh, schedules like Pentecost. Most people don't know when that is unless you're in a liturgical church background. Lent, you kind of know what it is, but you may not even know the dates of that. And so just keeping in mind the liturgical church calendar can help you to think about ways to incorporate feasting and fasting in a way that tells you the story of the Bible. The way that the calendar is set up is it starts with Jesus's birth at Advent, and then you celebrate that. Then you have this kind of ordinary time. Then with Lent, you begin to focus on uh, 
you know, the Easter story, and then you move into the week right before Easter where you talk about the passion of the Christ, and then you have this Easter time, and then you have Pentecost. And then after Pentecost, you have this ordinary time where you're waiting for the Advent. And so each of these things help to teach a certain part of Jesus's life. So if you incorporate that into your home or into your church, then you're able to repeat the story of Jesus's life every year. And then you are able to emphasize certain things. That doesn't mean that you have to celebrate all of like the different saints and different things like that um, in your church calendar. But I think that it does provide opportunities because most of the celebrations and the feast in the church calendar, they incorporate some elements of feasting and of fasting. So like with Lent, you fast from something and that giving up, it, it just works in this habit into your, uh, your schedule that helps you to do things that you may not do normally. I don't normally fast. And that's always something that I always, I'm always like, yeah, that'd be great. But I never think to do it. But if you have a calendar that says we are going to fast from this day to this day, you'll be more likely to do that thing. I'm planning on posting on the blog a few more dates for the church calendar. So if you're interested in this and looking more into the church calendar, then you can check out the blog later on and I will have that posted for you. So what we've talked about today, again, is our ideal schedule is like the way we spend our time, our budget, and what you first have to do to make your ideal schedule is to take an inventory of your current current time. And then we talked about four principles for how we can plan our days to match the cyclical pattern that God has created in the world. Next week, what we are going to do is plan out our days together. So we're going to look at how you take all of these kind of big picture vision of schedules and ideal schedules. And then we're going to think about how we can apply those things to our everyday life and make that ideal schedule. So if you um, like this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review. You can also find the blog online and that has um, resources. It has a printable that you can, if you subscribe to the blog, it has a printable that you can um, put your email in and that will get sent right to you and that will help you to create your ideal schedule. So I hope you join me next week. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of a more beautiful life collective podcast. If you haven't yet, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts to help others find the show. While you're there, you can like and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Don't forget to check out the blog and our store for more encouragement and resources on how to create a life you love and cultivate your heart for God. I'm Casey Fletcher, and I'll see you next week.